Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing Word from God. God bless you. All right. So today I want to talk about, my title of my message is No Shortcuts. No Shortcuts. And I want to talk about the theme of discipleship. Discipleship. Because Jesus was pretty big on this thing. In fact, it was the last thing he told his disciples to do. Mark 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can't leave out the baptism, by the way. We need to be a power church. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Son, we're forgiven, we're set free, we're loved already. The Father, he's for us. He's given us the ability to take territory. We want it all. I want the whole thing. But discipleship, that's our job. Do you, do you notice that? He, said, he didn't say go out and make converts. Nothing wrong with that. It's an amazing part of the whole process. You can't disciple somebody into Jesus if they haven't asked Jesus in their life. So I'm not saying any, any of the things I say are not the main thing. It doesn't mean they're not important. So I don't want you to come off of this message and be like, well, they said that this was the main thing. Well, the main thing is the foundation, but there's a lot of things you build on a foundation to have an excellent, amazing building. <laughs> that reaches people, that's a transformation house. I actually had a vision of San Marcos campus, like a huge uh, track, and it was like a funnel, and people were swarming into it. And, it, and you saw that it was a, like a factory and everything was humming, right? There were sparks and smoke coming out, you know? And there's this conveyor belt, and outside the conveyor belt were beautifully wrapped gifts. And the people became a gift. They became a gift to their state. They became a gift to their neighbors. They became a gift to their city. And that's what God wants to do in your life. That's what God's trying to do in your life, to take all the mess, all the dysfunction, all whatever you went through. Good, in the factory, in the house of God, where he, you get transformed, all that stuff, he polishes, he, he heals, he corrects, and he fixes. And then you come out this gift that understands life, that understands what it's like to be without Jesus so you can pull people into Jesus. And that's what he wants to do. So discipleship is the game. It's the name of the game. What's a disciple? That's a really good question to ask. I actually been probing our team a little bit. What's a disciple? I don't like it when I get lots and lots of different answers and, you know, different things. I mean, they're all within the right vein, but, but we're a discipleship-making church, and so I'm like, maybe I should just try to read the Bible. That's a good idea, by the way, okay? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, I, you might be kind of waiting and be like, well, how good of a preacher is this guy? Like you're kind of judging me. I want you to know, I'm going to flip the switch. You guys are in a campus with some of the greatest leaders in the world. I expect a lot of you guys. Okay, I expect the feedback and the cheering and the engagement with the word of God to be next level. Okay, let me help you. Don't make me make Dr. Matt get after you at men's prayer and Pastor McKay at women's prayer. So just let's engage with the word of God, amen? You can say hallelujah, you can clap your hands, you can shout, you can throw money at me, whatever you want to do. But don't sit still. Don't just take notes and amen. Let's go. Here we go. What's a disciple? One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible is John 15. It's just a beautiful passage, but I felt the Holy Spirit really highlight because I'm also trying to 
try to help people, teach people to do this. And like, I'm like, I need a base scripture. And, and I felt like God said, go to John 15. And by the way, I prayed more over this word than I have prayed over probably the last 15 words. And I'm not saying that to like brag. I'm just saying there was a deepness of me wanting to get this. And so there's a little bit of labor here. So John 15, starting at verse three, I want to read this passage to you. You are already clean because the word which I have spoken over you. Foundational. Let me give you first foundation. We're not trying to disciple you to earn God's love. Once you ask Jesus in your heart, you're forgiven and, and your sins are no longer and your home is eternity in heaven. Okay, so you're not working for love. When you're working for love, it becomes a control thing, not a discipleship thing. We don't want to work for love. We work from love. Okay, because of what Jesus did, we're already loved. Lauren Day bring an amazing offering message and talked about it. It's like, we're stubborn people. If we think God loves us because based on our own merit, like, just get off that track. Yeah. If you're good day, you might feel good, but your bad day will kill you. Don't be on that track. We're clean because of what Jesus did. Then he says this, number four, of our verse four, abide in me and I in you. Someone say abide. abide. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered. And they gather them and throw them in the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. I like this part. And you shall, it'll should be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my Disciples. A disciple is someone who abides in Jesus. And I'm not talking like lovey-dovey, like, uh, you know, totally no concrete evidence. I'm talking about real abiding in Jesus, meaning when I'm at the highest point and I'm hitting all the success, do I still abide in Jesus? Can I still stay humble? Can I still stay dependent on him? Do I still look to him? Do I still love his house? Do I still grow his house? And when I'm at my lowest point and it looks like nothing's working in my life and I've been trying to follow Jesus, will I waver or will I abide in him? Will I stay consistent on he is my reason, he is my savior, and he is my Lord, and I've dedicated my whole life, my whole life to trying to get closer to him. And that's where as a church we come in, we are not Jesus, but we are here to teach you to abide in Jesus. First you get saved, but you know, you've got a lot of dysfunction. So you're, you're abiding in Jesus for an hour and a half on a Sunday, but then all the other hours you're like, mm, kind of not abiding Jesus. We want to help get you to abiding in Jesus more and more and more and more. He's the reason. So to make disciples is to make good abiders in Jesus. People that stay planted. Can I say this too? Being a good abider in Jesus means you love people, of course. Of course. It also means you love his bride. We want to teach you to love his house and his bride. The church is his bride. Some of you may be coming from other churches background. My entire New saved group of people in my church have come from a very gnarly religious background. I don't know if you know what Salt Lake City is for, but go look it up. Okay? <laughs> and uh, we're here to teach people to abide in Jesus. Right? So now, how to be discipled. So I want to start first with you being discipleable or discipled. And then I want to talk about how to be a good discipler. Okay? Both are important. And there is a flow. If you've never been able to be discipled, you're going to be a terrible discipler. 
Just, I mean, I love you. But honestly, if you don't know how to be, and I'll, I'll show you why. I'm going to, don't get mad at me. I'm going to read the Bible, okay? <laughs> so point number one, we have to take on, you want to be discipled, discipled well. You have to take on the heart of a servant. Jesus said very clearly, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve, right? We have to become servant-minded. And this is how you can become easy and good at being discipled, okay? Servant-minded. Where's that in the Bible? John 15, 15. The same passage of scripture where he said, this is your my disciples. If you abide in me, you're my disciples. If you abide in me. And it says, no longer do I call you servant, which implies that for a season, Jesus was like, hey, you want to do this thing? You're going to serve me. You're going to serve me. And to be honest, I don't even know if he had to say it. It's kind of when you really get Jesus in your world, it's kind of like a natural byproduct. Like I've been loved so much, but some of us have histories, past dysfunctions that we buck against that system. But the heart has got to be in the right place. People that are grow and you hear these like radical stories, duh, they were man transformed, duh, duh, duh. They, were, they were fired from staff and now they're back being a pastor. I don't know who that is. Um, if you don't know, that's me. So don't think I'm preaching a message I haven't walked through. Okay, I'm not, this is not hypothetical. This is not hypothetical. I got out of my servant heart, and anyways, I won't get into it, but that's the point. I'm not preaching hypothetical. We want to be servant-oriented. If you're complaining, like, oh, I just don't feel like anyone's discipling me, and I'm like, well, have you gone to DNA yet? No. Do you serve on a team? No. Anyways, you get it. Tell the truth. So what does that actually look like, though? What does a servant heart look like? Let me tell you a few things that I have learned the hard way. Okay? Find a way to be a blessing. When you walk into the room, are you expecting people to give, 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 or are you blessing? I'm telling you, this is the doorway. You want to be discipled fast. Find a way to add value, to be a blessing. Seek not to receive, but to give. The Bible is not joking when it says, you know, it's better to give than receive. And it's not like some hypothetical, oh, I just pie in the sky, I feel that in my heart. No, no, no. Actually, there are blessings attached to having that mindset. You unlock wisdom. You unlock proximity to people that are going to help you. So let's start with our own heart. Do we seek to receive or do we seek to take? Are you fat? Are you fat? So fat, baby. It hurts when you laugh that hard, Mike Finn. <laughs> it hurts, neighbor. <laughs> Are you faithful? Are you available? Are you teachable? Listen, you see everything Dr. Matt and Pastor Michaela are doing, all the things they have on their plate, which you don't know is underneath all that, is they have to freaking pastor me. <laughs> There's a heavy lift, guys. Make sure you have tons of grace and you pray for them for wisdom and discernment. The teachable thing, I did not, I said I was, I was always like kind and nice and people say things, but man, every time someone would correct me, I would rage up and be like, I have to explain my heart to you. I need you to understand me. And they're like, man, this could be a five minute conversation that'll make your life better, but it ends up being a 55 minute conversation, which 50 of it was you trying to prove yourself when they never wanted you to prove yourself in the first place. 
And I'm working on it, huh, Dr. Matt? I'm working on it. Yeah, man, I call you all fired up. And I'm like, I self-correct in the conversation all the time, right? I'm like, okay, wait, 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 all right. All right. No, I want to hear this. Come on, come on, give it to me, give it to me. We want to be teachable. Don't try to impress. We cannot disciple you if you've got the Christian mask on, the Christianese mask on, and you're acting all super holy. And every time somebody asks how you're doing, they really want to know. Not the passing, you know, hey, how you doing? Not that one. But when someone looks you in the eye and says, how are you doing? And you go, oh, man, I'm good. No, you're not. Your life's a mess. Your marriage is about on the rocks. You're sleeping on the couch. Whatever it is, let's get real. Don't try to impress. Come with questions. Hey, Dr. Matt, I saw that you and Michaela were talking about a fight you just had. I'm currently in a fight. What do you do? What do you do here? Right? And then he might go, we'll go talk to Lance and Alicia. I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) But the point is, come with that right heart. Come with that right heart. Don't try to impress. You're not going to grow if you're trying to impress. You know? And also, you don't have to be false humility. Just be real. Okay. Don't try to hold your leaders to unrealistic expectations. Don't hold them hostage. If they're busy and, you know, you pass them and they say, man, I'd love to get coffee with you. And if that happens six months later, that's fine. It's okay. It doesn't mean they don't love you. I'm telling you so many times people, I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to text you later. And then it's like, I get a call and the whole world is on fire. And two days later, I'm like, oh, dang it, you know? And like, it, don't hold people to an unrealistic expectation that if you would never hold yourself to, right? Watch and learn. This is important. Real discipleship is caught. Honestly, I've learned that. If there's one thing God's broke off me is that there's nothing wrong with having coffee if we're going to talk about a very specific issue and, I, and you, you're coming with good questions and it's very specific. But the whole host, holding people hostage, like, will you disciple me? Can we have coffee every two weeks? It doesn't work. It honestly, it doesn't work. There are times for the coffee dates. There are times for the moments. But discipleship has more to do with your heart, your posture, and you, are, you catch it. you got to watch and learn. One of the greatest learning moments of my life happened in the green room at Bressy from that guy right there, Dr. Matt. And he wasn't talking to me. But I had ran a ministry before. And it was like the door was a revolving door of problems. Someone came to the green room and he's getting ready to preach. Like, it's like someone comes to the green room, AC's out. (laughs) And Matt's like, all right, cool, cool. And then so-and-so said they're going to leave the church. Oh my gosh. You know, and then like literally like six things. And I'm like, oh man, here we go. He's going Jesus in the temple. Those tables are going to flip. He's going to lose it. He's going to go headbutt people and do lion roars. Like he's going to unleash. And he calmly says, because somebody said, are you all right? (laughs) And he calmly says, either Jesus is growing the church or he's not. And it was like the Holy Spirit just, man, you think it's all on you. And because of that, you push, 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 and then you break. And it was honestly, to this day, I've told him several times, one of the most free moments, he wasn't trying to disciple me. I was listening. I was paying attention. A lot of discipleship will happen just from being in the room. Let me put it this way. Your proximity dictates your frequency, clarity, and rapidity of growth. Your proximity dictates your frequency, clarity, 
and rapidity of growth, speed of growth. Like I ended them all with E, so it rhymed together. That was cool, huh? All right, so <laughs> it's just a little trick. But no, it's so true. Your serve will dictate your proximity. Your serve dictates your proximity. Why was I in the green room? Because I was serving. I wasn't one of the green room girls. I was doing another serve, but I, he wanted to talk to me. <laughs> You're amazing, ladies, but they've never asked me to be on that team. I don't know why. <laughs> but I was serving. I was in the room, and the Holy Spirit was able to take somebody modeling something for me. And I remember, I'd grab like, Matt, do you actually believe that? <laughs> Such a bad thing to say as a pastor. <laughs> you, you believe that fully? Heck yeah, I do. Okay, I gotta go think, right? So there you go. Serving is the fact track, the fast track, and the only track to discipleship. You can learn from others. That's great. You can learn from wise people and all that, but you can't catch a heart unless you're serving. You can't catch the heart unless you're serving. And since being discipled requires serving, never, I want to help some people, never let someone disciple you that isn't serving. I mean it. Like, like don't. Man, if they don't have a heart for the house and a heart for Jesus and they're not serving Jesus, do not let them be your disciple just because they have a fancy gift. Do not pick your discipling people off of gift because often gifted people got to skip character because their character made, or their gift made them look like they had character. Look for character. And if you have a bad picker, some of y'all have bad picker. Don't be ashamed. I've gotten one pick right, and that was my wife, two, and Jesus. So Jesus and my wife, that was good pick. I made some other bad picks, okay? If you have a bad picker of people, your homework, go read 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 11. I'm not going to read it for you. Do your own work. Acknowledge you have a bad picker. Notice it doesn't say in there when you pick a leader for the church, pick them on their... Thank you. Front row here, man. They're reading their Bibles. Pick them on their character. Because you'll begin to catch their heart and you will do the character work. Charactered people care about character. Gifted people care about gifts. If you're a character person and you found your gifts, watch out. All right. Point number two. Okay, so you got to get this right. Be discipled well. You're coming in this house, trust the process. Actually, guys, can you show like our little like, hey, here's what's next slide that you guys show at the end. I just want, there is a process. And it's not, it's a, it's a mechanism to get you in that proximity equals frequency. And it's a mechanism of discipleship. Oh, you guys can get it when you get it. Um, we'll show it at the end. How to disciple, point number two. Your heart posture. So I said in the first point that in order to be discipled, you have to have the heart posture of a servant. Now, this is really important. Once you've learned to have the heart posture of a servant and you go to now discipling people, the heart posture you have to have in that situation is you have to be a servant. Right. Come on. <laughs> They're the same. Do you catch that? Let me, let me help you. There's not a big difference. You got to serve here so you can serve there. Yeah. And you'll learn that when you start discipling people, the greater lift comes on this sir, the discipler, not the disciplee. And if you don't feel a little bit of that tug, I'm, now I'm talking to leaders and people that are assigned people, if you don't feel a little bit of that weight, if you're not feeling like, man, this is a lift for people, then I want to challenge you as I go into the more points here, like, let's do a heart check. Are we really discipling people? Because there is a serve to it. It's awesome. It's amazing. But there'll be a serve. Yeah. 
if you're like, well, where's that come from? Oh, let's, let's read the Bible. Luke 22, 26. But among you, it'll be different. Come on, can we be a church that's different? Yeah. But among you, it'll be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like a... And just because I want to double down on the point, I'm going to read another Bible pit to you. Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. How do we truly disciple people? How do we truly disciple people? Can I start with a few things that I've highlighted in me that I've heard people in the past that kind of be like, yeah, yeah, I'm discipling people. And I just want to kick some sacred cows if I could. And listen, none of these things, actually none of the things I'm going to say don't have their place in the Christian walk. But if they're the only thing you do and then you say, check, I'm discipling people, you're missing it. Inspiring people is not discipleship. How many followers you have on Instagram is not discipleship. How many people want to live your life and do what you do and be who you are and are just inspired by you is not discipleship. Now, it is awesome and important the goodness of God leads people to repentance. Your neighbors should start to notice after following Jesus for a while. They're like, man, whatever they're on, I want some of that. I see, I see blessing on their life. There's nothing wrong with being blessed. But do not mark it off as, you know, a lot of people want to be me. And I'm just crushing it and killing goals and all this stuff. And to think that that's not, that that's, oh, I'm discipling people. No. Tough conversations. Very important as a leader. Very important as a leader. But are not full discipleship. If you're that person who's like, oh man, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the guy, I'm the, I'm Dr. Matt's, you know, executioner. I'm the one who just blast them up and tell them what's up and tell them what they're doing wrong. Listen, there is a place and a time for that. It should always be done in love and it should always be done because you have the interest of the other person in the mind. But the point is this, is that that's not just discipleship. Tough conversations are not the full package. They're a sliver of it. Empathy is not discipleship. Man, we met for three hours of coffee and they cried on my shoulder and I told them I understand and I get it. Okay, what else? No, that's it. For three hours, I just told them they're not alone. I'm here in the trench with them. Listen, empathy is a powerful weapon. Getting on someone's level and saying, hey, if you've been there, don't lie if you haven't been there, by the way. That's really, just use sympathy. Sympathy is I... I, I can understand, but empathy is like, I've been there too. Yeah. But wait, what yeah. was discipleship? Abide in Jesus. Hey, let me show you something. Yeah. Let me pull you out of this thing. Let me pull you up and out of this thing and take you to the Savior and the King that restores all, fixes all, loves all. Woo! This is the San Marcos I expected. You guys are living up. You're living up to my expectations. Task is not discipleship. Man, I got a bunch of people rostered on my team. Do you know them? How are they doing? Do you notice when somebody doesn't show up? Just getting people to do tasks. How many people are on your team does not mean you are discipling them. So that's the ones that are not. So let's now go into what it is what it is. Or if you're discipling people, I want to go back to John 15. Everything's kind of coming from this. Jesus says this after verse 15. I'll start at 16. He says, I didn't choose, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you 
that you should go and bear fruit and that the fruit should remain, that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give you. These things I command you, love one another. This passage says, if you are my disciple, you'll do my commandment. My commandment is to love one another. Discipleship is choosing to love somebody all the way through in the season that God gave them to you. Doesn't mean there won't be other people. That's the beauty of our church. People go different team, different things. But while they're yours and your responsibility, will you choose to love them through? Jesus chose you and he loves you. And we're the bride of Christ. So we want to show people what it's like to be in the family. We want to show people what it's like to be in the family. Choose to love them. Let's go to Ephesians 1.5, because I want to make sure we get this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. I want to do whatever God gives God good pleasure. I really want to be in that place. So if pulling people into the family makes him happy, I want to do that. I want to do that. I was thinking about this as I was talking with the brilliance that is Mr. Richie Hale and the pastoral genius of Lance Williams having coffee with these three and just we're talking about this and, and we're kind of talking about how if we're the bride of Christ, it's kind of like almost you could say like the church is like the mom, right? Like, like, and so when people come in this house, it's like, I know with my kids, like when they, when they get a boo-boo or they get an owie or, you know, they, they, they kind of instinctively go towards mom. There's a little, there's some compassion there. And I'm not saying people don't go to Jesus, you get the compassion, both. I'm just saying, here are we, are we helping people? You know, like when you first come in and you get saved, you're a baby Christian. We don't mind changing diapers for a season. You know, just like I don't mind changing my, my kids when they were one and two. But if they get to 22 and I'm still changing diapers, I'm like, ah, it's not cute anymore. It's just not cute. So we're helping people learn how to abide in Jesus more. Now here's the, the crux of the message because I actually wanted to give an example of what loving people right looks like. You know, we just, the problem with the word love is we all have a different perspective that we came out of. And so we can't use, like I could tell one person's room, hey, go love people. And they were raised in a very healthy, loving environment. And that looks right. Other people, they, they because of the environment they were raised, they become critical or they become harsh or because judgmental because that was the love atmosphere they grew up in. So I want to just point this back to Jesus and I want to present something to you. Have you ever asked yourself, why is the main disciple character in the Bible, Peter? There's more documented interaction of Jesus than Peter than any of the other ones. And he didn't write any of the books. Like it makes sense to me why in John, John is referred to as the one Jesus loved. He wrote it. So if Peter was talked about in the, in the gospel of Peter, then, then I would be like, okay, that makes sense. But he's talked about in all the gospels so much. And so I prayed on this. I really didn't. And I, said, and I felt like God said, Peter is the example of me discipling someone. And we can take glimpses of his life and learn how to disciple people well. So I'm not going to read his passage, but I'm going to point to scripture. And you can look these up. These are all stories of Peter and Jesus' interaction. I'm going to go quick. Point one or one, which I've already labored on, is he served Peter. The first time he met Peter, 
Little side note, notice he brought church to Peter. He literally is like, hey, is that your boat? I'm gonna turn it into a church. So be a bringer to people to church. If you can't get them to church, find a way to bring church to them, okay? But he brought the church to Peter and then Peter's like, okay, that's kind of cool. And then what did he do? He came up to him, he said, hey, I noticed you're a fisherman. I noticed you didn't have a good day. Let me serve you. Go, go throw that net out one more time. And they're looking at him like crazy, but he served him. That was his livelihood. That was his meal. He wasn't gonna eat. He wasn't gonna eat. So what's this look like fleshed out when you're, when you're leading people, you're having people serve them. It can go as simple as invite them over for dinner. Like, you know how much amazingness happens when you invite someone to dinner and you literally say, like, what, they, what do we bring? Nothing. I just wanna give you dinner. We serve people. We invite people. After Jesus served him, Peter recognized, oh, we're not the same. <laughs> it, it, he probably was thinking like, me on plane when I tell people I'm a pastor. He's like, oh crap, I've cussed a lot before. I just figured out who this guy was, right? He probably didn't say crap either, you know, cause he's still working it out. But he falls on his knees and he's like, oh, I'm a, man, you know, I'm not the right guy. I'm a sinner. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't go, oh, okay. I thought you were better. <laughs> no, he says, hey, dirty Pete with the bad mouth, come here. If you want to, you can come with me. I don't care about the cussing earlier. Come with me. Follow me. Do we invite people? If you're discipling someone, are they invited into your world? Will you go first and let them see, you know, hey, you're not perfect either. Will you invite people? Now, this is really important. From there, here on, after he gets the invitation, Jesus begins to encourage Peter. He starts walking with Peter and he says, hey, Pete, I actually haven't been calling you Pete for this story. I've been calling you Simon because that's your name right now. You catch that if you get it right. So he says, hey, I noticed your name's Simon. It means a reed in the wind. It's not really a merge name. I'm going to call you The Rock. Do you smell? You know, like he just goes, flips it. You're going to be The Rock. He starts encouraging him. He says, I don't think you're a reed in the wind. I think you're a rock. And listen, there hadn't been much fruit to this point to justify that, okay? Sit on that for a minute. Do you only encourage on their best days? Do you only encourage when they do something for you? Do I only encourage my, my campus and my team when they hit a home run? Or do I sit down and encourage them when they had a bad day? Do I remind them who they are and who they're becoming on a bad day? Next point, Jesus believed in Peter. Changes his name, starts encouraging him. Then he says, hey, Pete, I'm gonna build the church on you. And I promise you at this point, Peter was like, what's a church? <laughs> starts seeing gold before there's any justifiable reason to see gold. Not fake gold, but real gold. He felt believed in. Now, here's the cool thing. When you start encouraging people, believing people, you know, they start to puff up and then maybe some stuff comes out. Because immediately following this, Peter gets a little cocky and tries to tell Jesus what he can and can't do. Literally, Jesus starts telling him like, I'm gonna go to the cross and die. And he's like, no, you're not. 
we're going to be a governmental takeover, you know, like he switches it up and like, we're going to throw the Romans over. And he goes, look at this graceful, kind words. Depart from me, Satan. You're an offense. That's literally, go read it. It says, depart from me, Satan, you're an offense. I don't care how hard of a conversation you've ever had to have with a leader in the church. I've never had anyone say, depart from me, Satan, you're an offense. Can I tell you this? It's actually a necessary step if you want to follow Jesus well. You do have to become unoffendable. The only way to walk to that point is to walk through offense. It is the only path. There are no shortcuts. At some point, someone will offend you. And I'm not talking like they didn't say hi, they didn't see you when you walked in. I'm talking like something is gonna feel, ugh, ouch. But if you never walk through, if you always bail, if you always leave, if you always run when you get offended, you'll never be able to reach the full discipleship level God wanted you to reach because you must become unoffendable because the gospel is offensive. It is offensive and some people won't like you, but you gotta love them. Okay, so he coached him. He also enlightened him. So here's another corrective story. Once again, Pete's pride's kind of getting in the way and Jesus is laying him know, hey, this is right at like the last supper. He's like, hey, I'm gonna go to the cross now. You guys are all gonna chicken out and bail, but it's okay, I'll fix it. I'll come back, we'll get the church started, don't worry. And Peter gets all puffed up. He's like, not me, Lord. I'll go straight to the cross with you. Ride or die, baby, let's go. And Jesus enlightens him, warns him. Hey, you thinking like that? I just wanna let you know, you're actually gonna really bail. You're gonna deny me. You're gonna let it go. He just, he doesn't do it judgmentally. He just lets Peter know, no, 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 you don't get, you don't understand it yet. You haven't fully got it. And Jesus is like, I fully get what I'm gonna do and I still am gonna pray that I don't have to do it because it's hard. You don't even get it yet. You are not gonna stick with me through this thing. But it's not judgment, it's just, it's enlightening. It's, it's highlighting, hey, this is actually where you are, Peter, but that's okay. We're gonna get you there. Next thing he does, he covers him or cleans up his messes. Jesus has now started the greatest rescue mission of all time. He's about to go to the cross. The guards are kidnapping him. And sure enough, it's got to, it's, this is Jesus's moment, but Pete, not recognizing the situation, pulls out a sword and lops off a Roman soldier's ear. And I, I can see Jesus is like, hold up. <laughs> I'm gonna go save the world, but hold on. Pete, you're not gonna go on the cross with me, so stop breaking the law. <laughs> Fixes the ear so there's no charge to be had. So Peter doesn't get dragged to prison with Jesus. Can you stop in the task, in the mission, in the pursuit of whatever you're pursuing and be inconvenienced and help cover and clean? Cover for someone. Just be there and say, hey man, as little collateral damage as possible. Let me step in and help. Let me cover you. And also let me try to help you clean up this mess. Give me the sword, Pete. You know, like, <laughs> Not Jesus, he was patient, he covered. Next thing. And I want you to write these down because you can apply these to people. And if you do these things for people, with you love Jesus, you will see transformation. He saw him. Once again, Jesus is in the most 
intense moment of his life, the whole mission, the crescendo, he's on trial. And meanwhile, over here in the sidelines, Peter is denying him and denying him and then cursing and he goes right back to the fisherman. He starts cursing, calling down curse. He goes straight back to the old sailor, cursing. And what happens in that moment, the Bible says that Jesus stops, ignores this and just looks to Peter and makes eye contact. And I asked myself, Jesus, what kind of look did you give him? Was it a, told you, got you, loser? No, because I know how every time I have felt like Jesus looked at me. Never once have I gotten in the presence of Jesus and seen any look but one look. Look at me, look at me. Nothing changes between me and you. Nothing changes. You're high, you're low. I still love you and I'm still gonna do what I said I'm gonna do. That's a look Jesus gives. But do we see people like that? Can we have a few people in our life that God has highlighted and said, you're gonna partner with them. You should have some Timothy, you should have some people that you're just saying, you know what, come hell or high water, look at me, nothing changes on my end. I'm not controlling, if you wanna bail, you can, but I am here, I am looking at you. And I see you and I see where you're at and I see the dysfunction, but there's no judgment in these eyes. He knew him. Jesus knew Peter. Look at the second he gets done with the resurrection, saves the whole world, opens up the door for eternity for everyone, kicks down the rock. He's like, where's Peter? I know where Peter is. I've known him for three years. I know exactly where he is. Walks down to that lake, the same old fishing spot. Pete, come here. Made you some fish again. <laughs> here we are, feed you again. But he knew where to find them. Do you know where to find the people that you're discipling? Do you know if they had a bad day or they just got, you know they're going through it? Do you know where they go? Are they at the bar that they used to be at? Are they looking at the stuff they used to look at? You know, are they uh, throwing a pity party on Facebook and trying to get likes and empathy? Or what are they doing? Where are they? Go meet them there. But meet them there to do the last point of discipleship is we, Jesus restored him. Said Peter, three times you denied me. I'm gonna restore you, man. Do you love me? Of course I love you, God. Okay, here's your mission. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you, God. Okay, here's your mission. Peter, do you love me? gives him a chance to unwrite every single flipping denial, every single mistake in that moment. He says, well, I'm gonna give you a chance to, to step out of that and I'm gonna restore you and I'm gonna put you back on this track of abiding in me because in a couple months, you are about to launch the church. You are about to do what I made you to do. I have not given up on you. And I'm telling you, it's in those moments, it's in those moments where we love people like Jesus, like Jesus loved Peter, that people will rise to their destiny and it's our job is the church. It's the job is the church to be that light, to be that thing, to be maybe the first impression of Jesus. We want to get discipleship right. I'm not Jesus. My campus isn't Jesus. But man, I want to try to reflect him as best I can. I want to teach people to abide in him. 
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nation. I'll leave with a quote from an evangelist who said, everyone wants to change the world, but nobody wants to love their neighbor. There's no shortcuts. We're a disciple-making church. We're going to make people that abide in Jesus and teach other people to abide in Jesus, that love the bride and serve in the bride and grow the bride and believe it and use their gifts, talents, their treasures to advance this kingdom because this kingdom is the answer. This kingdom will flip California back to, to, back to being godly. This kingdom will flip a nation. This kingdom will transform society. This kingdom will usher in blessing. This kingdom changes everything. And it's our job, it's my job, it's your job to be discipled well so we can disciple well. So so that we can advance this kingdom and get to heaven and throw a party and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You learned how to be discipled so you could disciple. In Jesus' name, amen. While you're standing, some of you, let's all stand. Speaking of, I'm gonna do a Samuel Duth on this. Speaking of restored, some people in here, you're like Peter, the very first time he met Jesus. You're a cussing sailor, and that's okay. Me and Dr. Matt started there. <laughs> a lot of us, all of us started there. But today, Jesus has come into your boat, and he's asking, do you want to follow me? Some of you, you've prayed that prayer before, but if you were honest, been years and you feel so far from God, you're not even sure what it was or what it meant. Today, Jesus is like coming to Peter the second time at the boat and says, come here, can I restore you? Jesus wants to restore your life, forgive all your shortcomings and love you into a new kingdom and a new destiny. So I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. If you need to ask Jesus into your heart today, this is not a soft ask, okay? If you wanna give your life to Jesus, like Jesus said, follow me and watch what I will do in your world. And maybe it's a recommitment or maybe it's the first time, but if you're ready to follow a person who loves like Jesus loved Peter and who will partner with you and never give up on you and sees you and knows exactly where you are and is telling you today, I chose you and I love you. I chose you and I love you. If that's you today, everyone's head bowed, eyes closed. I wanna say a prayer with you and we will start this journey together. On the count of three, will you raise your hand? One, two, three, who are those people? Raise your hand. Once I see your hand, put down. Thank you, I see your hand. Who else? Who else? Help me, team, if you see somebody. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. Come on, put it up loud and proud. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, thank you, I see that hand. Lots of people. Thank you, I see that hand. Come on, some of you are counting the cost. You're more worried at what people will think. Don't worry about that. Worry what he thinks and he loves you. Anyone else? Last call, because I was the last call, Christian. I was the one who waited. Come on, who's got somebody you're fighting God? Don't do it. Anyone? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. All right, you can all look up at me. 
I'm gonna pray with you real quick and then I'm gonna hand this over to Dr. Pastor Matt. If you raise your hand, where's our team right here? This handsome, probably does CrossFit, amazing gentleman right here. He's got a gift for you. Listen, don't bug out. Even if it was a rededication, don't bug out. Come here, get the gift. We've got a Bible for you and we wanna pray with you, okay? And Dr. Matt will explain what to do there. But let me pray with you. If you raise your hand, pray this out loud and everyone else pray this out loud with them. But mean this from your heart and the transformation begins and it'll never be the same. So pray this with me. Dear Jesus, this morning, I give you my life. I wanna follow you. I believe that you died on the cross and rose so that I could be forgiven of all my sins. I ask you now to wash me clean. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.